All right. I know there's a lot of good chatter in the room, so I'm going to get you to take a seat. Um, if you're online with us today, welcome to College Church. And everybody who's here, uh, I hope you're having a good morning so far, good weekend. My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here on this team. And it's just good to see you. So hello, everybody. That was okay. Let's, let's try that again. Like, do you know that when someone says hi to you, you're supposed to say hi to back? Like, that's kind of a normal thing. So hello, everybody. Okay, this is good. You're, you're awake. You're alert. Are you ready to, are you happy to be in church today? This is good. I'm liking this. This is engaged. Okay, to, to my uh, left and to your right, I've got a lockbox. Um, somebody tell me what the purpose of this lockbox is. Just take a shot. Money? Security? What, what, the, the thing with a lockbox is, is very intriguing too is that um, you'll notice this as I pull up the handle. She's locked, okay? And so I actually want to see if somebody here would like to try to get what's inside the lockbox. So like oftentimes when you've got a lockbox, you would say that there's probably something valuable and important in here. Would you, would you believe me with that? There's something typically good. Okay, so we want to test that theory. So I'm going to need somebody to help me out to try to test the theory because what I have on this desk are eight different keys, and they're all lined up right here, and one of these keys is gonna unlock this box. If you can actually unlock this box in time, um, you're gonna be able to, to walk away with what's inside. Does anybody wanna participate? Does anybody wanna play? So, yes? Okay, so come on up. Yeah, like I'm gonna get you right here. Everybody give them a hand, this is big, big steps. I'll get you to join me right here. Uh, okay, so tell us your name. I'm Mike. This is Mike, okay, everybody say hi, Mike. All right, this is good. Okay, so Mike, here's the drill. Um, I've got eight keys here, and uh, what you're going to do, and again, this is legit, like she's locked, and so uh, you can kind of take a look at this. I'm going to give uh, you a particular timeline, and on, on your market set go, you're going to be able to uh, try these keys and see what fits here. Now, here's the only thing I, I can't have you do. You can't pick up the lockbox and smash it on the ground, okay? Uh, you got to use the key because there's a purpose. We understand that with this illustration right now, there are a lot of keys right here that will not unlock the box, but there is a key that will unlock the box. The question is whether or not Mike is going to be fast enough in order to get inside of the lockbox. Fair enough? Okay, so take a quick look. I'll, I'll let you see what we're doing, and I'm going to grab my phone here because I'm going to give you a timeline here, right here. You got 10 seconds, though. In order to try, yeah, but it was a kid. And so Mike is a little older. He's a little more wise. I, I believe this. Okay, so, so are you good with that? So you yeah. can go as fast as you can. You can hold the box, try the keys, whatever. I, I'm sure you've got your eyes already set on the right key already. Uh, but uh, so I'm going to show you. All right, so everybody, uh, you ready? On your mark, get set, go. Come on, give him a little encouragement. I know, sad. It's sad. It's sad. You're just about there, and stop, sorry. Oh, oh, look, interesting, the key you just had in your hand. Uh, but, uh, well, maybe, like, let's just leave that. Give Mike a hand. You lost, so you have to go have a seat. <laughs> so, Mike, you're a great... You're a great sport and a good participant, and we're going to come back to this, but this is what I want you to see right now, is that this box right here is your life. I'll come back to that in a moment. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, we're going to look at some scripture right now. We're going we're to kind of come back to this in a moment. And so scripture, if you have your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't, the words are going to be on the screen for you. And so take a look at what this says. It says, this means that anyone, somebody say anyone. Anyone, anyone who belongs to Jesus Christ 
has become a new person. The old life is gone, new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him, which is pretty cool. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. How's that for some good news? Sin's not held against you anymore. And he gave us, though, this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. Now, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Somebody say forgive. forgive. See how we got lazy with that? Yeah, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven us. And then a very, very popular prayer known as the Lord's Prayer. Some of you know this prayer because you memorize it as kids. This may be a new prayer to some of us in the room, and that's okay. The words are on the screen, but for those of us who memorize it a certain way, the um, prayer goes a little bit like this, and say it with me if you know it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts or trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And, and then the, the, the gospel of Matthew just adds a little bit more. And it says this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. And then it says this, but, somebody say but. But But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. And everybody said, "Uh uh-oh. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning so far, what it's brought. I ask that you would open our ears and our hearts to receive your word today. So Holy Spirit, I ask that in this moment... You will come and have your way with us because we're about to talk about one of those subjects that we wrestle with, all of us, at some point in our lives. But I ask that your grace would speak measures and shine through darkness. And I ask that you will allow us to confront, perhaps today, unforgiveness that could be in our heart because your desire for reconciliation in this world is to forgive one another. And so I pray that you will help us And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So welcome back to our series, One Another. And uh, I I brought back again the foundational text that we have been using for the platform of this whole entire series, that you and I are placed on this earth and our, our job is actually to bring reconciliation. Somebody say reconcile. This is the job. Your whole life's purpose, if you belong to Jesus Christ, is to reconcile people back to God. Like, this is the point of it all. And in fact, like, the the apostle was talking to us in the words there, and he said, listen, what you cannot do, though, is don't accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and grace for your own life and then just forget about it. 
Like, don't give it forward to anybody else. He says, no, you're partners now. I want you to come alongside of the forgiveness that I have given you, but I want you now to forgive other people. Now, today we're going to take that topic, that hard topic that is really uncomfortable, squirmy for some of us. It is the topic of forgiveness. Who's excited? Because <laughs> it's going to come like a flood. Here we go. So here's the deal. When I think of forgiveness, I think of Jesus Christ. So God saw Sean Chapman, and he saw how messed up my life is. He saw that I would sin in 2021. He saw everything about me that was not good. So he decides to send his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. And actually, if you were to insert your own life into that, Jesus came to this earth to die for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, but not just the forgiveness, so that you would know life and life to the full, that you too could be a reconciler of God's grace to other people. God comes and he gives us this wonderful gift of grace, he looks at the things that I owe him, and he cancels it. He's like, you're good with me, but I want you to follow me. And this is that exchange. And so when I think of forgiveness, I can't think, and I can't look anywhere else than the person of Jesus Christ. And forgiveness is a really big deal, is it not? Because in the church world, we, like, we have talked about this forgiveness thing for forever. We love the forgiveness story, and it should be important to us. But I want to contend with this today. As important as the forgiveness of sin is to the gospel, we need to realize that forgiveness is only a means to an end, the end being fellowship or peace or reconciliation with God. The whole purpose of your life is not so that you could be forgiven. The purpose of your life is to bring reconciliation to people so that they can come to God. Is forgiveness important? Absolutely. And it's always going to be a part of the narrative but I want us to see today that forgiveness is, is a means to an end in order to establish reconciliation for you and I. So let's ask some questions. Have you ever before been wounded by somebody else? Five people. Wow, that's good. You know, have you um, ever been offended by somebody? Yeah? I mean, some of you are probably looking at me right now and you're offended I have no hair. Well, get over it, okay? Like, you know, just get over it. Um, but this idea of offense is something we know really well in this COVID season, right? You look at somebody the wrong way. I love what Kenny was saying last week. A little old ladies were looking at him in the grocery store because he was walking the other way than them. Everybody is offended by something. It's crazy. Has anybody here ever known pain, suffering, hurt because somebody did something to you, which in turn really left you powerless? Have you ever felt that powerlessness? when it's come to somebody's offense against you and you didn't know what to do with it, you're like, what in the world? What, where do I go now with this? And it's instantly there where we have a choice. When somebody comes with their offense against us, we have a choice. And oftentimes I find that there are certain barriers though that affect the choices of maybe proceeding down a road of forgiveness. Barriers like these. Pride, where we look at somebody and are like, I'm not going to forgive you. You don't deserve it. So our pride gets in the way. That could be a barrier. Another barrier that we have looked at is the accountability and the consequence. Like, if I forgive this person right now, does that mean I'm letting them off the hook with everything that they've done? And so I'm like, I'm going to act as the judge and the jury, and I'm not going to forgive somebody. And we get into those moments. 
I think for some of us today, it's about justice. We're going to make a justice statement by withholding the forgiveness that Jesus is telling us that we should give. Some of us in this room today, you are just plain hurt because somebody's offense to you was very powerful and you're just hurt. You don't know what to do with it anymore. Or some of us, it's our identity now. You know, we are so wounded that those wounds have become our identity. And I'm here to encourage you today. That's not your identity. Your identity is to be a son and a daughter in Jesus Christ. And I think some of us as well, when it comes to a potential barrier in our lives, it's this thing called power. We love to have power over the other person. I'm going to show you who's in charge. Have you ever done that before? Don't put up your hand. That's weird. (laughs) Let me make a disclaimer before I continue any further today. This is a very complicated topic. I understand that in this room there are many situations that you have walked through. And I enter this conversation with a great humility. Have you also noticed this, that forgiving somebody else can be pretty hard? Has anybody ever experienced that before? Oh, man, I do that all the time. But you know what? I think Jesus knows that. I think he knows it's hard, and I think that's why he says, guess what? You're going to do it anyway. (laughs) But this one thing that I know is that if you and I choose not to forgive, the scripture has just said to us that we run the risk of not having God's forgiveness in our life. That's hard, eh? Like, that's a tough pill to swallow. Last week, Kenny was on the stage, and he was talking to us about the the topic of living at peace and in harmony with other people. And we all talked about the places where we find our peace, our internal peace. And he goes, but the point of the story here is not your peace. It's that you bring peace to other people. And I'm going to take the same track with this forgiveness topic. How many of you love it when... Or let me ask this, has anybody ever screwed up before? <laughs> Made a mistake? It's like, but how many of you love forgiveness when, it, when, you, when you've done something wrong and you want the forgiveness for your own life? I mean, I'm all in. I want that for my life. But the point is not that for you. The point is that you give forgiveness to other people according to the word of God today. Now that's different because I just want to feel good when I've done something wrong. But what about when someone's done something wrong to you and Jesus says you got to do it? And we ask questions like, you know, how? How am I supposed to forgive? Or how many times should I forgive? And it's funny that you ask that question because Jesus answers it in Matthew 18. He's like, someone comes up to him, should I, you know, forgive once, seven times? Jesus is like, no, 70 times seven. Now, some of you smart mathematicians in the room are doing the math, so it means that I only have to do like that much time, right? Like 490, yes. And it's like, that's not the point of the story. Jesus is saying, give forgiveness when forgiveness is needed. Forgive one another. See, folks, forgiveness does not change the past, but it does enlarge your future. And so I know a lot of us right now, you're already on edge. You're like, whoa, this is heavy right off the gun. So, okay, so let me relax it for a second. So I've got a story that I want to share with you. And so one of the things that I I want to... um, 
take note of uh, in this is that our preach team gets together, and when we come into these topics, we collaborate our ideas and our thoughts together, um, scripture, uh, points of scripture that we see there, illustrations, things like these. Well, the last preach team meeting, I was unable to be there. I was on holidays. So the team came up, and I looked through the notes and getting prepared for today, and there in the, in the heart of the notes was this story, this illustration. And it's kind of like one of those stories, and I think they knew something about me that I wouldn't let it go. It's kind of like when you're fishing with bait and somebody takes the bait and you take it. This is Sean Chapman right now. I took the bait of my preach team, and this is the story that they wanted me to share with you today. Reader's Digest states this. Social primates like bonobos, like what is that? I don't know. It's, I think it's Australian. Mountain gorillas and chimps often follow confrontations with friendly behavior like embracing and kissing. Similar behavior has been observed in non-primates such as goats and hyenas. However, one species that has so far failed to show outward signs of reconciliation is the domestic cat. Science says cats never forgive. Come on, somebody! Woo! No, I'm just kidding. Now, I told you, I wasn't in the meeting. I just took it from the notes because this is what the preach team put in the notes. They said this, we hope cat lovers will forgive you for using this. And then they walked away. Okay, so we've made it light. Forgiveness, cat lovers, God bless you. Forgive me. Anyway, okay, what's the purpose of forgiveness? Like, what is the purpose? Like, what is this thing supposed to do? Because Jesus has a lot to say about the topic. He's pretty serious about this thing. So, like, is it more about unforgiveness? Is it more about the other person? Is it about me? When this forgiveness title comes into play, to explain this, I'd like to look at the Lord's Prayer that we recited together just moments ago. And I would like that to be put onto the screen right now because I want people to read for a second. I want you to see that the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 and then in Luke chapter 11, they're the same prayer, but there are different words. And I want us to catch this because this is going to be important for us to move forward. You'll notice that in each of the texts, the word afis is there, to forgive. But then you'll notice in Matthew's gospel, the word ophelia. Then you'll notice in Luke, hamartia. So these are the words that represent. Now, the one thing about Matthew that I want to lock in on just for a few moments is Matthew had a profession, and I don't know if you know what Matthew's profession was. What was this guy? He was a tax collector. So when Matthew decides to use language like debt and having forgiveness on your debts, he's talking from the angle of finance. He knows what it's all about. He's the guy that people owed money to. He was a worker for the Roman government, and he took it to the Jews in order to pay their debts. So Matthew is in this context, in this framework of mine, and I think we actually understand Matthew quite well because I don't know about you, but have you ever been, um, had, ever had a debt forgiven by anybody or by uh, an institution of sort? I remember when I was in school, university, that I had them come to me, the government, and they said, we'd like to forgive some of your debt load. I was like, yep, sign me up. Like, like let's take this away. We understand that. But when someone comes to you and is like, listen, I'm going to take care of the debt that you owe. And you're just like, absolutely. Like, that's the best thing ever. I was saying to the nine o'clock crowd today too, you should invite someone to lunch and make them pay for it and have them forgive the debt that you owe them back now. Like, this is a perfect illustration <laughs> of being able to 
put this into action today, right? So, but we've got this thing that's happening with Matthew, and I think it's interesting because when I was growing up, I, I used to sing this old song, Cutting My Teeth on the Pews of the Church, and the song was, he paid a debt he did not owe, I owed a debt I could not pay, I needed someone to wash my Ophelia away. I mean, from an early age, I understood this debt thing. I understood that I have, with Jesus, something I owe him, my life, and I couldn't pay for it. That's why Jesus died for us, because I couldn't pay the debt, and yet there's Jesus. But when Matthew says the word of Philema, it instantly triggers in every Jewish person's mind and imagination a picture from Leviticus chapter 25. In Leviticus chapter 25, it takes us to a text that was really important to the Jewish culture. It was called the Sabbath year. So what would happen is they would work for six years, and on the seventh year, the Sabbath year, God would say, stop! Let the land rest. Don't touch it. Don't pull from it. Don't harvest. Nothing. Let the land rest. That was the Sabbath year. When the Jewish people went through a cycle of seven of those, it would get them to the 49th year. And so the year of Jubilee, which we see in Leviticus chapter 25, was the 50th year. It was the celebration. And the cool part about the year of Jubilee was that God would also look at the land one more time and say, stop, rest, reset, do your thing. But then there was one extra feature to the year of Jubilee that was different from the Sabbath year beforehand, and it was this, that there would be a compulsory return of all the property to their original owners. How many of you would like to have property back in that day? You got to give it back. That's what the year of Jubilee was all about. What was interesting, though, when we begin to look at this text, like, why are you talking about the year of Jubilee and the Lord's Prayer and this idea of forgiveness? Because the main point of Jubilee which you would see in verses 14 and 17 was this, is that you and I were not to take advantage of the other person. You were to have a fear of God in that moment. Well, what were they taking advantage of? What they were taking advantage of is that they were living their lives in power. What was happening at that moment is you held the power over another person. And I actually think that what Matthew is linking his crowd to in that moment is to ask the question to you and I today, what power are you holding over somebody else when you choose not to forgive them? That's significant, eh? Because when we look at the year of Jubilee, it was a social justice matter. We're in this conversation of one another's because we have social obligations to one another. Forgiveness is still one of those social obligations, but it is a spiritual one as well. You see, if there is no jubilee for them, what happens in their society is they've got issues. There's no natural reset. There is no allowing what God had intended for his people to happen. What the year of jubilee does and what the topic of forgiveness does, it's all about God's reset for humanity. I don't deserve the forgiveness of God. And I look at other people thinking, you don't deserve my forgiveness. And how crazy is that, right? But that's what we do. But God's purpose in these moments is that there has to be a natural reset. What it was doing is those who were getting further back in society, who were getting lost in it, God's saying, bring them back. Like, bring them back here. And guess what? Those are those people in our lives who we choose not to want to forgive. God is saying, bring them back, reset it. Because guess what? I still love those people, even though you may not, but I need you to forgive them. 
How many of you recognize that this is really hard right now? Like, this is, this is not easy. But this is what God says in, in Leviticus 25, and we see the tone of it in Matthew 6. Those who refuse to release their brother when obligated to do so, God will refuse to release them. I think this is why our author Matthew uses the debt and the transpass language but with forgiveness because they understood it. Then he comes and he drops the proverbial atomic bomb in verses 14 and 15. He's like, listen, if you, if you choose to forgive, God's going to forgive you. You'll see the word there, paraptomata. But if you don't, God won't forgive your offenses, paraptomata. This is interesting because we have to see in this idea of forgiveness what are we to forgive? Are we, are we supposed to forgive sins? No. Forgiveness of sins is God's alone. What we're asked to do with the paraptomata is that we take the missteps, the offenses, and the things that have been done against us, and we forgive that. Folks, you and I are not God. He is the only one that can forgive our sin. But those offenses happen all the time. And that's where our unforgiveness begins to take root. But God says you can, believe it or not, release the other person because that was what Jubilee was all about. It was about releasing the other person from the debt that they had incurred against you. You release from them the obligation that they have to you. God is not wanting us to miss this picture today because when it comes to forgiveness, I believe that we have cheap forgiveness everywhere. What do I mean by that? I oftentimes think that when I forgive, it's going to be for me. Biblical forgiveness has nothing to do with you. Biblical forgiveness has about releasing the other person from the debt that is owed to you. That's why when we come to Jesus, it is exactly that. I have a debt that I cannot pay. And he looks at me and he says, Sean, I love you anyway. I will release what you owe to me. And it's that cancellation. That's what God is looking for from us. Biblical forgiveness speaks against using the debts or the missteps of others to our own advantage or gain or power. Remember moments ago when I said, when somebody puts a fence against you, it's it hurts and you feel powerless, the reality is, is that many of us, when we hold on to our unforgiveness, we now hold the power. But the biblical forgiveness that I'm looking at here is that we release the other person so that God can then do a work in me and get my life back to the fullness and the life that he has. Will God deal with that other person? Let him do what he's got to do with them. What he's looking for is you. And will you be the one to forgive one another? And remember that biblical forgiveness always welcomes God's forgiveness to you. Is anybody a recipient today of God's forgiveness in your life? Don't miss the point today. You don't deserve it, but he does it. They don't deserve it, but we should do it too because we're Christ's ambassadors for him. Forgiveness is not about abandonment of justice. It is justice. So when you forgive, you bring the justice system of God into this world. The kingdom of God then reigns on the kingdom of this earth, and there's something powerful that happens. 
I know that you heard it right today and you're, you're saying like, so you're telling me if I don't forgive, God may not forgive me. Isn't that conditional suddenly, Sean? Like, yes and no. Like, I, I hear what is happening here, but I need us to not misunderstand something very important here. I think sometimes we make synonymous God's love and his forgiveness. We mesh them together as if they're the same thing and they mean the same thing. I'm here to tell us today they mean different things. They're like cousins, they're related. They work in tandem with each other. But this is what I know. God, when he looks at you, will give you an unfailing love. As many times as you screw up and make mistakes, he's gonna love you. That's who he is. His grace will be extended to you all the time. That's his nature. It's his character. But God's forgiveness, apparently, to the book of Matthew, is that if we don't forgive, we run the risk of him not doing that with us. That's hard. So our forgiveness matters that much to Jesus because what he is saying is perhaps you've locked yourself with not forgiving. Here are some of the conditions that I see in Scripture when it comes to our forgiveness. That when you forgive others, God will forgive you. Repentance is one of those things where we see in Scripture all the time when someone repents, they turn from their sin and their ways and God forgives them. Pastor James in a couple weeks is going to speak on the subject of confession. That when you confess, forgiveness can happen. These are conditional pieces, are they not? Does God want to forgive you? Absolutely. He's like just waiting. He's like, let's go. I mean, you could do this. And it's, he's just waiting for us to make our moves for him. A couple of weeks ago, and I, um, I hate to use this illustration because it's actually embarrassing, but I got to use it. A couple of weeks ago, I lied to Lisa. Lisa is my wife. And um, it was just dumb. I was playing protection on my own self, something I did. And it wasn't even major. In fact, Lisa comes up to me. She goes, it's not major. It's not even minor. I just want to know why, is what she was saying to me. And I, and I sometimes think that another cheap factor of forgiveness is when we say sorry because we got busted. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry because you caught me. And it's the privatization that we've kind of carried in our lives versus the public moment that happens. And I think it would be fair to say, like, lying is not in my character. I don't know if you can recall even when I did it, but I tried to justify it. I tried to put myself in the corner. And you know what happens when you go in a corner? <laughs> you come out swinging. And I tried to justify everything, and I just I couldn't do it. And I realized that I wounded the relationship, right? So reconciliation, I realized I wounded the relationship with my wife. And that day, I um, landed on this. Lisa, I am, I'm sorry. And then through the night, God wakes me up, and he's like, that's not sufficient, pal. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm trying to sleep, Key, leave me alone, right? Like, and uh, I had to wake up the next day, and I had to do this. I went to Lisa, and I said, I need you to forgive me. Because there is a difference between saying sorry and asking forgiveness. A lot of us know what it is like to say sorry, and then we just go right back into the cycle. But forgiveness, and remember one of the conditions of forgiveness I just commented on, is called repentance. Repentance is more than saying sorry. It's a starting point. But repentance means I turn the other way, 
and I change the style and the habit that is within me. I recognize with Lisa that I had wounded my relationship with her. She still loves me. We're good right now. But in that moment, she was faced with a choice. Will you forgive me? And she could have sat there and been like, hmm, no. And I don't know what she fully did until she said, yeah, I forgive you. But it reminds me of the choice. So Jesus is saying, listen, I need you to forgive other people. But you got a choice all the time. You really do. So one of the choices that you have is this. I got a couple quotes that I want to share with you. The first one says this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. <laughs> like, that's good. I like that. Because I meet with people all the time, and one of the things is I, I just can't get over it. I want them to learn. I want them to understand. I want them to say sorry. I want them to confess. I want them to repent. But if you don't get any of those things, can you still move on in life? You better be able to, because Jesus is letting us know that forgiveness is possible for you, even when someone else won't. Remember, this is not about them. This is not about power over the person. This is about Jesus saying, I want to restore your heart. I want to do a work in you. So forgiveness is an option this way. The second one is like unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. <laughs> yeah, a lot of us are like, woohoo, that's so good. Yeah, that's you, you're dying. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times in my life I've drank poison. And it's not helpful whatsoever. If we have been called Christ's ambassadors, to me, what I see is that if you call yourself a Christian, you should be the first one to be able to say, forgive me. Why are us Christians so afraid? Why are us Christians so proud? After all, Jesus died for us. Well, I'm going to hold on. Yeah, because you like your power. We should be the first ones to the table. Forgive me for this, for that. Sometimes you don't even have to approach people and say, forgive me. You can let it go. Have you ever had someone come up to you and be like, I forgive you? And you're like, what in the world did I do? And it's weird. It could be dangerous too. So please understand, forgiveness can happen in those types of confrontations, but they can happen before the Lord. Lord, I'm going to release this person because that's what the point is all about. And now you work in my heart. That's what he can do. So we have learned today that forgiveness is essentially about cancellation of the debt load, the missteps, or the offenses that people have put against you, against those obligations. We've learned that it's only God that can forgive sin. It's his story. What we forgive are the debts, the obligations, and the offenses that have come against us. And if you don't forgive others, it is being held in account by God both now and later. Once a year, a couple times a year, I have to go into my bathroom. Well, I do that daily, but like <laughs> for, for this particular illustration, I go into my, uh, into my uh, bathroom, sink, shower, and there is this backing up of water. Yeah. And I know full well what's going on because suddenly the drain has been clogged. Here's what, I, here's what else I know. It's not my problem. It's my family's. 
I have no hair. Look at her hair. Look at their hair. I mean, it's everywhere. And it falls down the drain and it is absolutely disgusting. But it clogs the drain and it backs up the system. And I got to tell you, it begins to smell. It's disgusting. And you pull the drain off and you reach inside with your pliers or whatever you got and you pull out this clump of hair and it makes, like it makes you gag. What is going on in that entire drain? It's absolutely crazy, is it not? And it's funny too because that drain is a lot like your life. It's a lot like my life with unforgiveness. See, when you hold on to unforgiveness, you are clogged up. You begin to smell. You begin to puke on other people, and it's disgusting, and that is our lives. But what happens, right? You know, some of us do the quick fix. Oh, I'll grab some Drano, chuck it in there. No, it doesn't help. Pull out the clog of hair or the clump of hair, and you do your thing, and it's... But that's what happens with forgiveness and unforgiveness. Here's the question. Are you clogged? What's your drain looking like today? What's going to happen? So, here we go. We got the box here. I told you earlier that this is your life. And when it comes to the topic of forgiveness, you're locked or you're unlocked. And it's funny, right? Because I could try to open this thing. But some of us, we try to, when it comes to the forgiveness, we try to take these keys and we, we use them, but I think some of these keys are the barriers to our life. You see, we try to take the key when I know I need to forgive somebody and I stick it in there, but I've got too much pride going on in my, in my heart. So this key is unable to unlock what I need. Some of us, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna make somebody accountable. I'm gonna make them pay. I'm gonna let them know they hurt me and I'm gonna prove it back to them. I try to stick this key in there. No, it doesn't work. It's a barrier. And I think many of us, we've tried the different, we've tried the different barriers and they don't do it. But do you know this? That there is, there is a key. There is a key that unlocks this box. And if your life is like, the box, and inside is the abundance of what could happen when forgiveness is given or if forgiveness is received. There's, there's one key. See, if you use this key and you unlock the box, it could bring a freedom that you have never experienced before. The key that I hold in my hand today is very important. And Mike, stick with me because I'm coming back to the box. This key becomes very valuable. This key is the person Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus can take and apply the key that he has for you, and he shows you that he is able to be that unlocking presence and power for your life, when you allow the forgiveness of Christ to affect your heart, it in turn begins to unlock certain things in you that actually do open the box, Mike. So, Mike, I need you to come here for a second because I told you that there was something in the box. And because you were such a good sport and I embarrassed you earlier, you take her away and it is yours. There you go, eh? Everybody give Mike a hand.
the deal is, is God is waiting to unlock the unforgiveness of our hearts. He paid a debt that you and I owed him. And today, he looks at you and he says, I release you. I forgive you. And he also wants us with the unforgiveness that resides in our hearts to forgive other people because we are Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us to bring people back to God. What would it look like if our church lived in a constant state of forgiving others so that people would come to God? Nothing excites me more than what could happen in that. Let me pray for you today. With all eyes closed, you may be in the room today and you may have never experienced the forgiveness of God yourself. You may have never known the narrative that Jesus died for you. And he looked at your sin, your shame and your pain, and he said, I love you anyway. What he looks for is for people to turn their hearts to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I need you to forgive me. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ, who he says he is, and you will be saved. You may be online today or in the room. You've never made that step, and you'd love to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want you to forgive my sins and enter my life. If that's you today, if you're in the room, you could raise your hand right now to enter into a relationship like that with Jesus. If you are online or even in the room, you could text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113, and Jesus would love to have this relationship with you. Don't miss the moment because he'll give you life. The second thing I want to pray for is perhaps you're in the room today or online, and you are holding unforgiveness in your heart. And it's hard. We're not making light of that. It's hard. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus wants to help you. He wants to give that key to unlock the box. He wants to remove the clog of the drain so that you would know life. And if you are here today and you're saying, hey, Sean, I want you to pray for me. I'm dealing with some stuff on the lines of forgiveness. Would you just raise your hand in this place? And we're going to pray for you right now. All right. Thank you for your honesty and those hands that are up. God sees you. So God, you see the hands. You know what's going on. When we're asking for that release, and I pray that you would work with my friends today to see that they can forgive one another because you have forgiven us. And so I ask that you will take us on a journey. And I know it's tough sometimes as we face certain things and have difficult conversations, or perhaps even not. I ask you today that you would help us, be with us, and, and bring that freedom. So I'm looking forward, God, to hearing the stories of people's journeys as they um, submit to you. So give us a great week. Help us to be a people who are forgiving of one another, and we lift up your name for who you are and your greatness. And I ask all of these things in the unbelievable, forgiving name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope that you will walk into this week forgiving one another. Let God talk to you further. Let the Spirit move upon your life, what you need to do to notice that freedom. We hope that in 45 minutes, you'll be able to join us for some lunch. We're going to have a great time down at Juan de Fuca, and so we hope that you're there. But church, have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week, and we love you, and we'll see you soon.
Thank you, Bethany.